Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. kind of stalling a minute give them brother Silvati got a red got a ride in a shiny vehicle with red lights and all that stuff and, and I walked up to him and said I got to one up you my ride home yesterday was cooler than yours I got a ride back from Virginia in a helicopter so I got to wish I'd have got the video I could show you the video it was pretty cool got to go over and watch some rockets and all that stuff so probably my fourth of July is good now I got to watch the military shoot some rockets Wow, what a great crowd on a Wednesday night. My goodness, what a great crowd. Where were all you people last summer? COVID-19, right? Um, I, I want to talk to us tonight, um, and I'm, I'm not going to read a title scripture. I have a title scripture. We'll get to it in a moment. I want to lay just kind of... Um, from some things that I've been going through this year. And uh, so for me, for, for Brother Roberts for 2020, this has been an emotionally exhausting year. And uh, so much so that uh, I'm just done with it. It's probably not the best way to start teaching, but I, I'm really over uh, 2020. Unless the Lord returns in 2020, I, I just think it's a wash, you know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's only the 1st of July, and I am really over this year. I mean, to put it in my words, I have had enough. Enough of the madness, enough of the fear, enough of the things that are trying to destroy my hope. Um, I, I think so much has happened this year that I really, truly don't need any more things to happen. Right? I've had a year's worth in, in, in less than six months, and so... For me, and I think a lot of you probably would be right there with me, let's just call 2020 quits, move on to 2020, we'll start it on July 2nd. <laughs> Look, I, I, I thought there'd actually be more hands than right. Uh, I assumed that many of you would be good and something that we could agree on, but I think all of us can agree that we've gone through enough this year. The emotional highs, the devastating lows, enough of this junk to last us a lifetime and I'm really ready to start a new year. And so let me just kind of preface what I'm saying here with some, some comments that I am not, if you're taking notes, that's N-O-T. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not a doomsdayist. I, you might be, and if you are, that's great. You just go right ahead with that. Put it on Facebook, wherever you want to, that's fine. But all of the calamities that have happened this year, both natural, unnatural, spiritual, natural, doesn't make a difference, while they appear to be unrelated, I, I'm beginning to feel like they have a common thread. They all have that single purpose. I know pastors talked about that, but I believe that all of these things are working together for a purpose to influence us, and they really want to control us. Now, I'm not talking about in terms of humanity. I'm talking in terms of the church. I, I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not trying to make light of the world's problems. There certainly are a lot of them. And even the personal things, the personal problems that we're dealing with, 
They're all very real, and they're all very serious. And, and there's, no, there's no hiding the fact that especially in this year, it seems to me, that there is more than enough trouble surrounding all of us, right? It's just there. And, and I, I, but I think that there's a bigger issue that we've got to address, and I think it's one that we've been talking about for a long time, but I believe that it has really turned up the heat even so much. There's troubles, there's issues, there's problems, and they're, they're existing. They've got a purpose. They've got a common purpose, and they're trying to work their way into our lives, and they're trying to affect the way that we live. Now, again, when I say we, I'm not saying they're trying to affect the way that Jeff Roberts lives or trying to affect the way that Wayne Berry lives. They're trying to affect the way that the church operates. Uh, maybe they're working on society as a whole, but I know that they're having a tremendous impact upon the church. And so, honestly, I feel that uh, for at least for me personally, and again, I, I want to make sure I'm not talking about the church, but for, for Jeff Roberts, I, I can relate to Job this year probably more so than any other year in my life. I just, you know, for me, um, you know, I, 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 my, my opinion has been my thoughts, my prayers. I've said, Lord, 2020 is just a year of loss for me. I have felt more like that man that Job described ever than I have ever before. You know, a man born a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And like I said, I, 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 I believe that this is a worldwide conspiracy, but I'm not a, a conspiracy theorist or a doomsdayist, but I believe that all of these events are, are all of these crises of the hour, they're working together to gain a measure of control. And usually that is working behind the scenes, but it's more prominent now. But I, I don't believe there's some secret society that's out of the public eye that's trying, you know. But I believe that the kingdom of darkness, Sister Staten said it, Pastor said it, you heard it recently if you've been to church or watching online, Jesus is coming soon, right? And I believe that the kingdom of darkness is working overtime to paralyze our faith. I believe that the enemy has an agenda to deplete our strength. And as the body of Christ, as the church, and I talked about that last week, we are the church. I think that we are the only real threat. We're the only true th threat to Satan's kingdom. And sometimes we don't recognize that. And he is very aware of that. What do you talk about? I'm saying that the enemy will do anything that he can to take your attention off the promise of God. He'll do anything he can to remove your focus from God's provision. He's got a goal. His goal is to weaken you. His goal is to keep you from gaining ground, right? Your life, my life, our lives, the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. And I know some of you are sitting here tonight and you're saying, I don't feel very victorious. But if you have repented of a sin ever, if you've been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, if you've been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, that victory is the force that is fighting against the kingdom of darkness. It's a true, it's a true force, and sometimes as people we can't see that collective force. But he truly has, as Jesus said in John chapter 10, he has an agenda to steal everything he can steal. He wants to kill everything he can kill, and if he can't steal it or to kill it, he's going to destroy it in every single way possible. And so we're the church on earth, and we're here, we're showing God's plan in our society, and God's got a, he's got a superior life for us, a greater life for us, an abundant provision for us, 
and everything seems to be working against that. And so there are two primary factors that I believe are found in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. We're going to read that here in a second. These two vital primary factors for experiencing a successful walk with God. And we're going to read that verse together, and I'm going to teach one of the principles to, uh, tonight and probably the next one, the second one next week. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4, the writer says this, and you probably can't see that because I can't read it. Can you read that? He says, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. And so I want to look at a couple of principles tonight. Or I'm sorry, I want to look at one principle tonight and one principle next week. The first principle for that, that I think is detrimental to the kingdom of God is people begin to watch the wind. He says, listen, I want you to understand, when people get caught up watching the wind, they stop sowing. What are you talking about? I said, when you start watching those winds as they begin to blow and they begin to move things around, People stop doing what they know to do. Listen, the word of God was left on earth and given to the church, and we are the sowers of seed. We are, what, we are sowing the fruit of the Spirit in our world. And if we are not sowing, right, if we're watching the wind and we're not sowing, we'll never fulfill our God-given purpose. And so the, 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 the point I want to make tonight is, listen, we got to quit watching the wind. Listen, the things that stops people from being successful in the kingdom of God is when they stop what they're supposed to be doing and they start watching the wind. The enemy wants to control. He wants to control the power of your focus. And so I'm going to talk tonight about focus. And the most effective Christians that I know understand the true power of real focus. They've learned that the thoughts and the, even the ideas that capture their attention, that they ultimately, if they're left unattended, they're going to direct their attention. They're going to direct their thinking, and they're going to ultimately determine the path that they're going to follow. And so a person who will eventually, if you allow any of these thoughts, if you begin to focus on the wind and not on, 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 our, on our mighty God, what's going to happen is you're going to begin to gravitate into the direction that your thoughts are going. Tell your neighbor, focus, focus, focus. Now, it hasn't been my whole life, but a few years I've been wearing glasses. And um, they help us to see more clearly. Those of us that need them, and if some of you that don't need them yet, hopefully when you get my age, you won't need them, but it's likely that you could. And listen, if, if you don't have those glasses to help you focus and you need them, the whole world around you looks like a blurry mess. And I kind of stepped back from that a little bit, and I said 2020 to me is just a big blurry mess. Maybe I need to put my glasses on. But focusing on the Lord instead of what I need or what I want really takes tremendous discipline. Here's the bottom line. You can't separate focus and discipline. You just simply cannot do it. In order to really focus, you've got to be willing to lay aside fear. That's a tough thing to do, right? But I'm hoping I'm going to give you some tools tonight to help you do that. In order to really focus, you've got to be able to, and this takes some maturity, to pray through your worries. Anybody got any concerns? Concerns left amok in your mind become worries. 
Worries left run amok in the mind, become anxiety, and they, they become fear, right? But if, if we're going to become the people of God that God needs us to be, then we've got to move beyond anything that is working to drain my hope in Jesus Christ. How many of you know that God knows what you need and when you need it? Now, I know that's the truth. I know that's the absolute truth, but I'm going to tell you that as, even as a man of God, I haven't felt that in 2020. So you can't get up there, preacher, and confess that. That's the truth because you felt the same thing. There's a lot of pressure in our world right now. There's a lot of worry and concern. There's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of things that, right? And so our focus has got to be grounded in our faith that God truly is in control. It's really hard, right? And so, you know, anybody, you know, maybe you ever take your glasses off and clean brother people's, you got one of those cleaning cloths they give you. I, I, I fit to bring mine. I didn't bring one. But take your glasses off because I, get, I find out I get spots on these things and I really am not seeing as clearly as I want to. But what you find is in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Bible tells us that we as the people of God are not to live by what we see, but we have to operate. We have to move. We have to live through faith. Paul told the church at Corinthian, at Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, he said, we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, that's really good spiritually. That's really good spiritually, but naturally, <clears throat> I won't demonstrate for your safety, right? If I ask somebody to come down here and close your eyes and walk around the room with your eyes, that's pretty hard to navigate, okay? That's really difficult because the truth is, we're more accustomed to walking by sight than we are, right, by, by faith, right? And, and so I remember being a young man, and I, I went hunting with this guy, and he said to me, he said, you sound like a herd of elephants. And I looked behind me to see who he was talking to. And, and I, I thought, my word, he said, you have stepped on every single branch. You've kicked over every single rock. And he taught me that I needed to learn how to walk and just kind of feel things with my feet before I put my pressure on them. And sometimes, spiritually, we don't really understand walking by faith because we're so used to walking by sight. Amen. You know, you, you, know, you walk through your house at night, that's one thing. But you start walking down a, 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 an unfamiliar place, you start navigating that with your eyes closed, that's a little more difficult because you're not sure how the ground is. Right? I'm not talking about somebody moving furniture in your house. I'm talking about walking really by faith. It's not as easy as it seems. But all through the Bible, we can find people. You can go to Hebrews chapter 11, and the list is there of examples of people that God delivered them. They were moved by what, not by what they saw, but what they knew to be true. This is a difficult thing for me as a man of God because there are some things that I know are absolutely true according to the Word of God, and yet I feel that pressure and that anxiety of 2020 that is warring and fighting against that. That's why we've got to be focused because all that is is the wind blowing. It's easy to look up and see the tree bent over and go, my goodness, the wind is blowing. When my beautiful hair begins to move out of its place, pastor, don't be jealous. But when that wind begins to blow, right, we understand that. But I can decide, you can decide that I'm not going to be moved 
by the storm, by the wind. I'm not going to be moved by the trouble. You can choose to observe the wind or you can choose to walk by faith. Now, I'm not saying that we're supposed to pretend like there's nothing happening. Faith is not the same as denying that a problem exists. That's not, that's, not even, that's not even biblical because denying that something really exists when it exists is dangerous. But if we're standing in faith, the truth of God's word gives us strength to face the storm. Amen? Amen? So I, before I really get into some of these points I want to get to tonight, I was reading a passage of scripture in John chapter 16, verse 31. Jesus is telling the disciples, he's saying, boys, it's coming. It's the end is here. They're going to crucify me. He starts talking about heaven and the Holy Ghost, and he's laying it all out there. And in verse 31 of John chapter 16, Jesus said, do you believe now? And, and, and he said, behold, the hour comes. Now is the time, and you shall be scattered, every man to his own. Most other translations say, every man to his own house, and you're going to leave me alone, and I'm, yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. And I thought, my goodness, that sure sounds like 2020. All of us were stuck in our own homes. But Jesus doesn't stop there. In verse 33, he said, I told you all of this stuff that you could have peace because in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. Now, you amen to that, and that was tremendous because that's good apostolic amen in. But the reality is that when Jesus said, I have overcome the world, he had not even yet been to the cross. He hadn't overcome anything. He's telling them about destruction and dissemination, and they're going to be dispelled and displaced, and he hasn't, he hasn't overcome anything. And I, those disciples looked at him and said, he's telling them, you're going to have all this trouble, you're going to have all this issue, but I want you to be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Now, we can sit here 2,000 years later and go, amen, he overcame, right? But some of us in 2020 are looking around at this, and we're going, wait a minute. I know he overcame the world, and I know I've got my share of trouble going on, but boy, it sure don't feel like, right, anybody? So let me give you some things that I think will help us as the people of God to not look at the wind so much. The first one is found in Psalms chapter 34, verse 5. The psalmist wrote it this way. He said, they looked at him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. The NIV says it this way. Those who looked at him are radiant, and their faces are never covered with shame. The first thing that we're going to need to focus on is we've got to make sure that our focus is on Jesus Christ. Say, what are you talking about, preacher? My focus is on God. When you're watching the wind, you're not watching the Lord. When you're watching the wind, your focus is somewhere else. When you're on CNN, Jesus is not there. Even if you're watching Fox, God forbid, Jesus Christ is not there. All you're doing, right? But Paul said it this way. He said, my tribulation is working patience, and my patience is working experience, and experience is working hope, and hope doesn't make me ashamed. Jesus, or, or, or the writer in the psalm said it this way. He said, when we look to, the, look to him, our radiant, our faces are going to be radiant, and they're never going to be covered with shame. You need to understand that if the enemy can get you to focus on your trouble, if the enemy can get you focused on fear and failure, that he can destroy your experience, he can distract you away from the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. 
And I believe that this year, more than any other year, he is working on the hope of the church. He's trying, oh, oh, it's not a big deal. The first Sunday wasn't bad. The second Sunday wasn't terrible. The third Sunday, some people had some anxiety, right? You know, pastor, he was upset by the first service. Some other folks kind of gradually got there. But by the end, of, by, the, by the first of June, we were all like, all right, I got to get back to church. Because our focus whether we knew it or not, whether we realized it or not, had been shifted by the wind. Distraction is the nemesis of focus. We're constantly in this place of temptation that's trying to pull our, our focus away from Jesus Christ. More often than not, we find ourselves being blown around by the wind of the day and the hour and the concerns of life. Can I tell somebody that the wind and the clouds, right, they just represent the distraction of our day. I believe that distraction, I've been, I've been teaching about distraction for several years now. I believe it's a dominant spirit in our society. I believe it's a, a tremendous force against the church, but it, it, it came out of the closet. It's in the forefront. It's an in-your-face thing now. You're distracted all the time. And so every time this distracting wind begins to blow, it's representing a diversion from the advancing building of the kingdom of God. He wants to degrade. He wants to destroy. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. And so while he may be affecting all of the society, Pastor, you said it earlier tonight, he may be affecting society, there's really a purpose going against the church. Those that get distracted, those that watch the wind, what's the result? The writer in Ecclesiastes said they don't sow. Why? They're, why? Because they're, 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 they're waiting for favorable conditions. Now, I, Brother Roberts has lived in the same home for almost 16 years, and I am a complete and utter failure in yard work. I got beautiful plants, got a nice home, but I got horrible grass, just, just bad. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't have an excuse for it, it's just horrible. And uh, I have thrown money at it, and it's not the answer. I've done everything I can to get grass grow. And I've been trying really hard this year. I got me a little, little tiller, and I've been tilling it by hand and by, with my feet and planting a little grass, and I'll kill some more and plant some and kill some more. And, and, and I, I figured something out because I've been, been doing it by hand. I mean, a little patch, five feet today and six feet tomorrow and three feet the next day and six inches the next I'm out, I'm out there watering. I'm, I'm doing the best I can. But I'm a failure. I just can't grow no grass. It, it's, it's a shame. So if you're a grass man, come, come help me. I could use the help. But the truth is, I, I, I was out there one night, and the girls were playing, and, and, and I, was, I, had my, I said, might as well get some grass work done. I, just want, I don't want the whole yard, just that little spot in the front, you know. It's horrible. I got those trees and everything. It just kills it. I don't know what the deal is. But I began just to throw a little seed down, and the wind was blowing a little bit. And I'm like, my word, that seed is so small. And the wind wasn't blowing hard, but it was not going where I, I was just, I was right here. And, I, and it was blowing over there. And, and I backed up, and, I, and it blew further. And finally, before I knew it, I'm down like this, and I'm just <laughs> dropping it maybe six inches, and some of it's still not going in the spot. Here's my point. When you start watching the wind, it doesn't make any sense to the natural man to sow in spiritual matters. 
We were looking at all this wind, and we're going, oh, man, you know, I, I miss church, but we'll get back in it. I miss church, but I'm kind of over it, you know. I miss church, and I miss all stuff, but prayer's not as important as it used to be. All, you know why? Because, because we're watching the wind. We're watching that flow, and what happens is the natural work of the enemy, it, it, for the, he's, just, he's just affecting the natural man, and that thought comes in, and those things that used to be so important are not nearly as important, and we lose our focus on God. We become distracted. Do I got coronavirus? I got a little, oh, no, you know, and we're, we're concerned. There's a worry. There's anxiety. All of these things, boy, because they're waiting on a favorable condition. Right? And I, I'm not going to wait on a favorable condition. I want to set my focus on Jesus Christ. I'm an adult. You're an adult. You've got the ability to focus your mind. You've got the ability to cause everything to fade out that pulls you away from connecting with Jesus Christ. We are still the body of Christ. We're still the church. We have got, it's my job to connect. It's my job to sow the seed. It's not my job to control the wind. I'm not told when and where to plant. I've just got to sow the seed. I can't stop sowing the seed just because the wind is blowing. We can't stop being the church just because the world is in a pandemic. We've got to be the people of God. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm amazed at people that are more concerned what someone wants to say on Facebook than what the Word of God has to say. I want my focus back on Jesus Christ. I'm tired of the distraction. I'm tired of the wind. I'm not watching the wind anymore. I want to listen. There's a spirit at work here. He doesn't have to because that, that, that verse in Psalms talks about their face is never ashamed. But hope takes away shame. And there are some good people that have allowed the spirit of the world and allowed the wind to cause their focus to, to shift off just ever so slightly. And they're going to stand ashamed. They're going to stand and they're dealing with all this remorse and feeling. Why? Because they have not focused on Jesus Christ. I am a child of God. It takes discipline to live for God. But it's my job to choose to see every situation, right? I can see blessing in my struggle, but I got to look through the lens of Jesus Christ. It, listen, I can see the wind of the world and every, everything I want to, but when I put on the eyes, when I put on the focus of Jesus Christ, when I begin to focus on God and begin to look at my world through his eyes, I'll begin to sow again. I'll begin to cast the seed again. But if it's all about me and all about my life, and does this make sense to somebody? Listen, there's a principle in Scripture. When we begin to look at the wind, we stop sowing the seed Pastor, I'm a worshiper. I need to come and worship the Lord. I'm a prayer. I need to come and pray. I need to find a place of prayer and get alone with God and reconnect with the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to tell somebody it's possible. It's possible to not be distracted of your love for God in this time, in this era. Here's what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, and you know this. He said, let this mind be in you, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Another translation writes it this way. He says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. 
You've seen your attitude affects your outlook, and your outlook is affected by what you choose to focus on. I'm not going to focus on politics or pandemics or social injustice. I don't mean that those things aren't important. It just means that they're not more important than my relationship with God. I'm not trying to be political. I don't care anything. uh, Not that those things aren't important. I believe that they are. But listen, they cannot become the focus of the people of God. David said it this way in Psalms 121. He said, I will lift up my eyes. That's focus. I'm going to put my eyes under the hills from whence cometh my help. Stimulus check is not my help. Jesus Christ is my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. I've got to stay focused in a world filled with busyness and turmoil. Why? Because there are all of these ideas and thoughts that are running through my mind. They're being promulgated, propagated by everything, and they're capturing our attention, and they're directing our thoughts, and they're determining our direction. But I'm a child of God. I need to come and find my place in the house of God. We've got to have that understanding, Brother Silvati, that we ultimately are going to move in the direction of where we're thinking. If my thoughts are there, it may not happen today, it may not happen tomorrow, it may not happen next week, but I'm ultimately going to move in that direction. I've got to set my mind. I've got to make sure that I'm adopting the mindset, the values of Jesus Christ. Remember that old hymn? I know we haven't sang it in a while. I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed. Come on, somebody. Stayed on Jesus, right? The the verse said, I'm walking and talking with my mind, stayed on Jesus. My favorite verse of that song, Brother Jones, was the devil doesn't like it, but my mind is stayed on Jesus. Come on, somebody. I've got to get my focus back. I I don't want to watch the wind. I want to be focused on the Lord. The second thing that we got to focus on as the people of God It's found in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 19. The NIV says it a little bit different than the King James. It says, listen, my son, be wise and set your heart on the right path. Those those ideas and those thoughts that are ultimately going to determine my direction, whether I like it or not, whether I believe it or not, it's really truth, those thoughts, those those things that my focus are going to move me, they're going to move me towards righteousness and blessing or they're going to move me towards sin and unrighteousness. But of this I'm certain they will move me. And, and he says, listen to me, son, be wise and make sure that you set your heart on the right path. Now, when I read that, I begin to think, look, I can set my heart on fear I can focus my heart. I want to set my heart. I'm focusing it. I can focus on my anger. I can focus on anxiety. I can focus on trouble or despair or even tragedy. Or I can set my heart upon mercy. And I can set my heart upon love and upon forgiveness. But really what happens in the path is it's my choice. And every day there are choices that you're making that I'm making there are different paths that we take right and you've heard some of those things right but we choose daily the paths of righteousness or the paths of unrighteousness now I know we haven't been back in church very long and so 
you know, you've you got to be careful. People are being sensitive. You can't really talk a whole lot about sin. But the truth is, sometimes we choose the wrong path. Sometimes I choose the wrong path. And sometimes, here's the hard part, the rub for staying focused is that the right path is filled with uncertainty. Anybody ever been there? Is God really hearing my prayer? Sometimes choosing the right path, we have to stop and we begin to consider the cost. We begin to calculate the risk. And does God really want me to go this way or is this some disruption? Or how is all of this going to work out? Anybody ever had that thought? Right? How many of you understand that that thought is detrimental to faith? But I will guarantee you that everybody whose name is written in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews had that thought. How's this going to work out? Right? Because they, they didn't get their names written there because they never failed. They got their names written there because they were consistently focused on having faith in God. David said it this way in Psalms chapter 5 verse 8. He said, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of my enemies. What make thy way straight before my faith. The New Living Translation says, make your way plain for me to follow. Now, I like a plain path. Now, I don't know about you, but I like a well-marked path. I'm not a fan of being lost. I see some, a couple of head nods. Some of y'all ain't telling the truth. I don't like being lost, right? I'm not a fan of uncertainty, right? But the wind begins to blow and we get upset, and things beget, begin to get difficult, and we begin to deal, and frustration ensues, and it's all a result of the, of the wind. And so in our, in our text, the writer is showing us the principle that when we get frustrated, right, when we get upset, when we get in this place, what happens is we, be, we begin to stop doing what we're supposed to do, and we begin to focus on what's around us. Now, Peter stepped out of that boat. Brave man, right? I got a boat, but I have yet to try to walk on water. Every time I step out, I go down, all right? But Peter got out and headed straight to Jesus. His focus was on the Lord, right? And he was, he was headed to a place of safety. And you know the scripture. You know the story. He began to look around, and he began to see the wind, and he began to see the waves. And Peter began to sink. What are you saying? I'm telling you, it's, it's important that we choose the right path. Now, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that water was the right path, but the path to Jesus is always the right path, right? If you want to get your shoes wet, all right, you're going to have to get out of the boat. I, I get it. And so the natural man is generally wise enough to stop sowing seed when the wind is blowing, when the rain comes, it just doesn't make sense to sow in the wind because all the seed ends up lost. The problem is this principle is not the same for the natural man as it is for the spiritual man. If you sow to your fear, you're going to reap a harvest of destruction. If you sow to your faith, you're going to reap a harvest of blessing. Right, And so those thoughts and those ideas that are ultimately going to determine the path that I take, those things are moving me somewhere. And so I can either sit in front of the television and dwell upon every negative report that comes out, or I can open up the Word of God and begin to say, you know what, Lord, it's time. Help me to choose a right path. 
I'm trying to talk to us as the church tonight. Broad is the gate that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. I don't know what the world's going to do. I don't know what's going to happen. I have all this uncertainty, and I really don't care so much. I want to make sure I'm on the right path. I want to make sure that I... There's only one way to the streets of gold. There's only one way to the presence of God. It still takes prayer. It still takes sacrifice. It still takes worship. It still takes reading the Word of God. It still takes those things, but it's my choice. I can be distracted by the wind, or I can say, Lord, help me to get on the right path. A plain path. Now, I, I used to be a hunter, and, and I have been once or twice ingenious in my life. I got lost more than once, but once in particular I got lost and uh, walked around in St. Mary's County for several hours until I came out at a point way different than when I went in. And I called my wife and said, come get me, please. And I left everything that I had in the woods in the woods till the next day for daylight. And so I had a friend who did something and I improved upon it, I found, I went down to Walmart and bought me some clothes pins, regular old wooden clothes pins. And then I snuck in and got me some of that reflective tape that we use at work and I cut me little eighth inch strips and I put a little piece on either side of that clothes pin. And I still use this if I go hunting now. I'll clip a little piece on the woods about every 30 yards as I go in. As I walk in, I just clip, clip. I got me a little bag and I clip. I got me a little bag. And when I come out, I turn on the little bitty light, and it just lights up like a runway, and I follow my way, and I unclip as I go. And nobody knows where I've been, right, and I'm not getting lost. Somebody needs to understand. You've got to get a fact that there is only one right path, and you can wander in darkness. You can think you're on the right path. You can think you're going the right way. You can believe you're right. You can feel you're right, but it's not in social justice. It's not in pandemics. It's not in safety and security. There is a way that can lead to the house of God. There is a path that leads to heaven. There's only one way. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man cometh to me but by the Father. You're not going to be saved by medical science. You're going to be saved by the Spirit of God. But the natural man, it makes sense to quit sowing because the wind is blowing. But the spiritual man has got to buckle down and sow even more because the wind is blowing. Because I'm not sowing for today. I'm sowing for the harvest. I'm not reaping today. I'm going to harvest at some point. I'm sowing, I'm sowing, I'm sowing, I'm sowing. Because the writer in Proverbs said, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Other translations say, Submit to him. He did not use the S word on a Wednesday night. That's Sunday teaching, Brother Roberts. And he'll make your path straight. Another translation says, seek his will in everything that you do, and he'll show you which path to take. I want to be, Brother Barry, a man of faith, and I'm not going to let fear change my focus. Right. Roads are twisty. Roads are turny. Roads have got all these problems, right? And there's lots of things that happen in the road, but there's always going to be blind spots in the road. I'm trying to tell somebody, you won't always know where you're going is the right place. 
But I want to tell you that if you're following the path of the Lord, if you're in the Word, if you're following Jesus Christ, if you're following, listen, you're, you can trust God will get you where He said He's taking you. Amen. Now, men, how many of you, your wife, doesn't trust you when you're driving? Be honest. I'm not trying to start fights. You can do that on your own. Yeah. I got to trust the Lord. I trust, I trust his driving. But both of all, it's hard when I can't see. It's difficult to trust the Lord when I'm coming up on a curve that I've never negotiated before. It's difficult, man. I, I, when, when I was younger, I, I, bro, I used to, run, I used to, you know, want to go fast too, right? Don't pick on me, Brother Roberts, right? Okay. I, I mean, I wanted to go fast around every corner, but now I, I'm liable to get pulled over for driving too slow. I, I don't get in a hurry. I, I'm just not in a hurry anymore. I, maybe I've got a little corn in the crib. I, I've gotten a few too many tickets over the years. I just slow down. But understand something. I, if I see a curve coming and I've never been on that road, I'm going to slow down. Why? Because I've taken some corners too fast, Brother Jones. I've been, I've been around there, and I'm like, I, I've, I've slid off and scared myself, and I've been up a few bumpers that I shouldn't have been up, you know, and, and, and I've been there. And so spiritually, you got to understand the, the natural man, it's, it's normal for us to slow down when we're negotiating a turn that we have never taken before. But the spiritual man cannot, hear me now, the spiritual man can't slow down. He's got to keep sowing. He's got to keep sowing. He's got to keep planting and harvesting and sowing and harvesting and sowing and harvesting. Why? Because there is a day coming. I got to choose the right path. I got to focus on the right path. The third one, and you know this, I got to focus on the word. Psalms 119, verse 112, I've inclined, I've inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. That's the hard part, to bring that in, right? From the NIV says, my heart is set to keeping your decrees to the very end. I obeyed the word when I was 30. I was in church in my 40s. I even made it to my 50s, but now in my <clears throat> mid-50s, you know, I, I, I want to hold it to the end. I, I'm not as young, you know, you can't see it in my beautiful head of hair, Brother Matt, but there's some gray in there. But, but when, the, when the wind blows, the distraction comes. We, we tend to quit because the, the wind is contrary and we stop planting the word. We stop sowing into the lives and into our lives. We stop sowing the word because the contrary winds are blowing and we see the storm clouds gathering and the natural result is distraction. But if there's anything we need to do in this hour is we need to look for opportunities to sow the word. Why? 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 Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. I'm talking to some distracted folk. You need to get your Bible out and begin to read the word of God out loud and start reading some of those promises and make application in your life. Why? Because, because that faith is coming back. Why? Because my focus is on the wind and the distraction. But I need to read that word again. We know this. We know that a, a continuous careful, deliberate study of God's Word will always realign our focus to His will. But let me tell you what 
pandemic does. Pandemic distracts us from his will and puts our will at the forefront. Hello? Be honest. Pandemic says, you know, yeah, I like church, but it's not as important as this or that or this or that. Why? Because focus will begin shifted. Because we, we, we need to come into the house of God and, and get that engrafted seed. We need to come not just and sow because pastor hasn't quit sowing, Brother Roberts hasn't quit sowing, the church hasn't quit sowing, but we are not disseminating the seed. And sometimes we're even guilty of not allowing the seed to be sown into our lives. The first time I watched church on Facebook, it was novelty. I really, it was yucky. Pastor did a great job. I, I, I don't think I could have preached the empty seats. I'd have been like, all right, y'all people are sinners. All them empty <laughs> seats. I, I, I might have had a little fun with that. I don't know. But, but the second time, I was like, I'm over this. This goes in the 220 bucket. I'm done. I, I want to move on. Right? Why? Because I want the, it's, it's different because when I, I hear that word, I want to be able to in a, be in a place not where I can just hear it, but receive it. Does that make sense somewhere? I, 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 it's harder to receive through a television than it is. from. Listen, there's a spiritual connection when the Word of God is being sown, and it's my job to get my focus upon the Word and get my heart ready. Why? I, listen, you need to understand that pandemics and all of this stuff create spiritual gaps, and, and these spiritual gaps exist in every life. It's easier to focus on the wind than it is the word, but sin always creates a gap, and a gap can be defined as a hole or an opening. It can be a fissure or a crack, and no matter how you define it, sin always creates a place of separation. It creates a loss of focus, and it begins to harden our heart, and the truth of our own gap, the truth of our own separation of our shortcomings, of our sin, right? The wind points out the flaws in everybody else. But what happens is when the gap grows, it just begins to cover up. I can't see my fault and my failure. I need to be where the Word of God is being sown. And I need the preacher to preach to me and say, come on, get right. Get your focus back on the Word of God. Get your heart back on Jesus Christ. Get your focus back on the right path. I need that two-edged sword to cut and divide and separate and put the seed in and let it grow. I'm ready for a harvest. I'm tired of dryness. I'm tired of pandemic. I want a harvest. But there are so many winds of resistance. I know this to be true, Angelita. I know the Word is a lamp under my feet. I know it's a light under my path. I understand that, but I have a difficult time because the wind is blowing. Yeah, I know the wind is blowing, but they told me not to go out. I know the wind is blowing, and we'll go to Walmart, but we won't go to church. I know the wind is blowing, and we'll go to work, but I can't make it to prayer. I know the wind is blowing. I'll do all kinds of things, but I, I, I'm, I'm cutting out the spiritual because I've got to cut it somewhere. No, no, no. I want to focus, 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 focus because I'm being distracted by so many things. I know the wind is blowing, but I'm sowing. I want to sow and sow and sow. 
We are people that are led by the Word of God. And the Word must have, must have preeminence in our life. Amen. Finally, let me hurry to my last point. We've got to focus. Paul told the church at Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, he said, set your affection on things that are above and not on the things on earth. Verse 3, we like to read that one, right? Set your, set your affection on things above, you know? Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. But the next verse is really the key to that verse. The next verse says it this way, for you're, I, I would insert there, you're already dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Somebody needs to realize as the people of God that what Jesus said in John chapter 16, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world, right, has already happened. And Brother Silvati, he's already seated at the right hand of majesty making intercession for the people of God. He's already there doing that right now. He's already in place. It's not something that's going to happen. It's our, for, for those guys, it might have been. But for us, it's already happened right now. And so it's my job to focus on things that are above, not things that are below, right? Because my, I'm already dead. Now, I'm not trying to be morbid, but you can't kill a dead man again. I mean, you probably could mutilate him or something. You can't kill him. He's already dead, right? And, and, and so if you're already dead and your life, some of y'all just made up some stories about mutilating dead people. We need a lot of prayer over here in this section. We need to refocus on the word. But if you're already dead and your life is already hid in Jesus Christ, then nothing in this world can hurt me. That's, that's a tougher one. Oh, I set my affection on things above, right? I'm going to heaven, but I don't really want to go today. <laughs> that's a little too honest, isn't it? I, you know, when I'm, when I'm on the walker, Okay, Brother Haskell, when I can't fish no more, I'll be ready to go. But I can't wait till then to get my affection in the right place. Because every wind that blows is trying to put me, oh, you need to put your, you need to put your, your affection over here. You need to put your affection over here. You need to, you need to join this cause. You need to be adamant about this reason. You need, oh, listen to me what I'm saying. Put your affection here. Put your hope. Put your energy here. Put your strength here. No, no. Put your affection on things that are above because that's the only real thing that's going to make a difference in your life. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, the writer says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of heavenly calling, that's us, the church, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Another translation says, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle. 
Listen, our minds are being bombarded by, bombard, bombarded by all of these thoughts and all these things, all of our jobs and families and friends and finances and all of this craziness, right? And the writer says, just stop and consider. Just stop and contemplate. It means to stop and envision. Put your focus back on the high priest of your soul. Put your purpose back where it belongs. It's my job to discipline me. If I need spiritual correction, I've got a man of God in my life who's got full authority and right to discipline me. But the wind does not have that authority in my life. Somebody hear me. The wind, the pandemic, does not have the right to discipline me. I'm already dead in Jesus Christ. Listen, all, all of the issues of my day cannot affect my spirit if I put my affection where it belongs. But if I'm tied to the issues of my day and tied to the issues of my world, then my focus is off and I've lost my path and I, I can't. I'm the church. And I can't be the church if my focus is somewhere else. They saw the wind. They stopped sowing. Simple. It wasn't hard. Just closed up the bag. No more seed came out. We'll wait till there's a better time. We'll wait till the conditions are more favorable. It's okay. It's okay, Pastor. We'll get church back in August. We'll get it back in September. We'll get it back next year. 2021 will be better. Everything will be good. Don't worry. No, 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 no. I need to come into the house of God and begin to sow into my spirit. Come on, somebody. Hear me tonight. Hear me tonight. Just because the wind is blowing does not mean I'm going to stop sowing. I need to lift my hands again in worship. I need to cry again unto the Lord. I need to sing as loud as I can. I need to read the Word of God. I need the preacher to preach into my spirit. Thus saith the Lord. I need to get on the right path again. i got to focus again. Why? Because every wind is trying to distract me. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, she. I'm gonna wait on you, she.